I love the season of fall. I love coming out of the heat of summer and the smell of pumpkins and gingerbread and the leaves starting to change colors and that heat just kind of dissipating. And I love football. Football comes with fall. I don't really love it as much this year. It's not very good. But I love basketball. I love fall. And it's one of the unfortunate things about Frisco. Because this is what it is like for us. Summer, 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 fall. Winter, winter, winter. That's about it, right? It's like two weeks and it's done. The trees change. You're like, that's so gorgeous. And then it's gone. It's just these skeletal branches reaching up into the bleak sky. I love fall and I'd like more of it. But there's a lot of disappointments in life, aren't there? Anybody have any? What do we do when all of that beauty that we were enjoying so much, there's this gorgeous tree right as you walk out in our backyard and it just gets this fiery red for about two weeks and it just all drops. What happens when the beauty in your life leads to disappointment? How do we take our disappointments, because we're going to get them, right? A lot of them. I mean, the longer you live, the more you experience them. How do we have peace in the midst of disappointments? How do we have peace when things are really not going the way we'd like them to go? How do we have peace when we really need something to work out, but it doesn't seem to be working out? Or can we? That's what this season for us is going to be about. Four sermons on peace. And what I have to say today is going to sound so cliche, and yet it is so true. One of the ways that we can have peace in the midst of our disappointments is by knowing God has a plan. Do you know, every individual in this room, do you know God is working in your life? God is doing things in your life. No matter how hard it may seem or how bleak, how brown and dead like those trees, God still has a plan. And here's the thing I want you to hear this morning. It is so easy for me to believe that God has a plan for Father Andy or for Chris McCampbell or for Luann. It's so much harder to believe he has one for me. Have you ever noticed how much faith you can often have for somebody else and their situation and yet how hard your own might be? Today, what I want you to hear God has a plan for you. Not just the person next to you or behind you. Not just the 
preacher. You. And I want to talk about the nature of that plan. Right? Because if you can believe that, you can also approach parts of your life where there are disappointments or struggles or unanswered things, you can approach them differently because there's something to hold on to that you can trust in. So the nature of God's plan. The first thing, God's plan, thank the Lord, does not depend on my goodness. God's plan does not depend on my goodness, and God's plan for your life does not depend on your goodness. Have you ever been in a performance-based relationship? Have you ever been in a relationship where you were constantly wondering? We use this phrase, walking on eggshells. Have you ever been in a relationship where you constantly wonder, am I saying the right thing? Did I do enough? Did I earn this? Is that going to make this person mad? That's a performance-based relationship. How much anxiety does that cause? I mean, if you are worried all the time, oh, did I say that wrong? Oh, what is that person thinking? Oh, that causes anxiety. That is the opposite of peace. And yet, there are people, probably every single person in this room at one point or another, we have this with God. We sometimes think thoughts like this. If I just did a little bit more, if I was just a little better, if I just hadn't done that, if I were a different person, we've got these thoughts that are all based on performance. God's plan for your life is not based on your goodness. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. All right, this is a pretty good setup so far. You've got a priest. He's married to a daughter of Aaron. He knows his division. This is a holy guy. Verse 6, and they were both righteous before God. How would you like to have that said about you? And, and please know, for those of you that are thinking in line of Jesus and say, well, we're all righteous in Christ, that's not what it means right here. It means these two were doing the right things. They were following the commandments. They walked blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. These are the epitome of good folks doing the right thing. These are the people you'd look at and go, God, I want to be like them. They keep doing it right. Yet, verse 7, but they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and both were advanced in years. All right, in our world today, for many couples, having children is very important. In the first century, it held a different kind of importance because your children, number one, they helped carry on your name, number two, they would often take over family work, and number three, and this is really significant, it was an honor-shame culture. The greatest honor, especially a woman could have, was giving a son to her husband. Here are two righteous individuals 
They spend their lives serving God. And yet, they are not getting their prayer answered to have a kid. To the point that they are so old they can't even have children naturally anymore. God's plan is not based on your goodness. Now, when I said that, many of you probably thought, that's good because I do a lot of bad stuff. I mean it both ways. It doesn't matter how good you are or how you rebel. God's plan for your life, he's still moving forward with it. Now, can you do things to mess it up? To some degree. You want to run away from God? He'll let you run away. But he'll also keep chasing you. And here's the thing you need to know. No matter how good you are, and no matter how bad you may be, and you keep coming back and repenting, those things don't make God go, well, let's see. Andy, you did really well today. I think I'm going to go ahead and speed this up a little bit. A couple weeks. Oh, wait. No, you were bad the next day. We're going to pull that back a little bit. That is not how God works. How many of you like Christmas movies? Please raise your hand. If you did not raise your hand, shame on you. You may need prayer, and God might change his plan for you. (laughs) We love Christmas movies, and our tradition is Thanksgiving. That night, we watch our first one, and we try to do Elf. How many of you have seen Elf? Again, if your hand is not up, you need help. Elf is such a great movie, and I love everything about that movie. I love the comedy, I love the drama, I love the fact that I want to cry sometimes and I want to cheer sometimes, and I just I love the movie. It's a great movie. And at the end, when they are in Central Park and they're trying to get the sleigh fixed and they finally get the clausometer 8,000 working and the thing starts flying off and then they hit the statue and it falls off, like, what do we do now? Well, everybody's singing. They're all singing Christmas carols. And then when they see it on the news, the people watching the news start singing in their homes and in the mail room, and everybody's singing. And what does that do? Christmas spirit goes up, and we're all like, yeah, and the sleigh takes off. God doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We love that stuff. I mean, that's what makes movies great, right? Yeah, look at that. It doesn't work that way. Here's the thing. God can work in your life even if nobody is singing. And if everybody is singing, it still doesn't make God suddenly go, oh, well, now I'm going to wake up and do something in your life because everybody's singing. God is working in your life. And he'll keep working in your life. Number two, God's plan, oh, this is hard. God's plan is rarely shown to God's people. One of the things about peace is knowledge. When you know something is going to happen and how it's going to happen, it helps. For example, um, okay, so I like surprises in some ways. I'm probably everybody likes certain surprises, but there's certain things you don't want to be surprised by. I do not want to get to the end of the month 
and be surprised by how I got to pay my mortgage. I'd like to know ahead of time how that's going to happen. I don't want to get in my car and be surprised that my brakes worked. I'd like to know that they're going to work before I get in the car. Now, most of us have no anxiety about either one of those things. Why? Because we know there's a paycheck coming in. We know we had our brakes checked on a regular routine. We know these things are going to work. It's when we don't know. And that's the problem. God rarely reveals his plan. How many of you have had God work in your life and it's only in hindsight that you'd look back and go, oh, how many of you have had God work in your life and you look back and you still don't quite get it, but you're glad it worked out? <laughs> God rarely reveals his plan. However, here's a couple serving God for decades without God ever saying, this is what I'm doing. And all along, God was doing something. And here's what he was doing. Verse 8. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty... According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So you've got multiple groups of priests. They get chosen at certain times to go and to serve specifically at the temple. And one person, and only one time in all of your life as a priest, would you get to go do what he's getting ready to do? This is the height of his priesthood right here. Beautiful moment in his life. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside at the hour of incense, and there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Let's heighten this. Here's his greatest moment, and an angel shows up. Verse 12, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, now just listen to this. You've got to hear the whole thing. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. One of the interesting things is, I would bet he's already stopped praying about this. Because when an angel says this whole thing, he's going to go, how is that even possible? That can't happen. I think he's already given up. But God still heard the prayer. Decade ago, two decades ago, three decades ago, he was still planning on answering it. Keep going. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. All right, something is being shared with him right now. There is a reason in God's plan that they did not have a child until this point. Because the child God wanted to give to them is no ordinary child. God had a very special plan for this couple to give them the forerunner to Messiah. But he didn't share that with them. <laughs> like 50 years ago, when they're going, can we have a child? God could have said, yes, but you're gonna have to wait a few decades because I wanna give you a really, really special child. I wanna give you this child that everybody's been waiting for. This child will be the first prophet in 400 years. I wanna give you this child who will get to announce the Messiah. That's the child I want to give you. Instead, this is what God told them as they prayed. That's hard, right? Unless you know 
God always has a plan. God is always working. God is always behind the scenes doing things in your individual life. So the angel continues. For he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink strong wine or strong drink, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. There is an awesome plan for his life that he didn't know, but God did, and God was still working. It reminds me of my baby. So when we got pregnant and we were not expecting this and it was gonna be difficult and we were older than we wanted to be and we had certain plans for our life and we had to readjust and all of these things, we had a couple of families who told us, one of them is here today, they said, that fourth child that is like 20 years younger than the rest of them that you weren't necessarily expecting is such a blessing. That child is amazing and wonderful and has been so easy. And we had multiple people tell us this. And I will tell you that for the first few months, Kelton was amazing. We were like, he is so easy. He just, like, none of our kids were like this. It is crazy. And we're like, yes, Dave Sinclair, you are right. And then one day, he woke up and he said, I am going to figure out 10 new ways to kill myself today. <laughs> hey, there's a knife. Let's grab that. And from that moment on, for the last year, this child, I mean, that actually is his nickname, 10 new ways. That's what we call him. Like, he just goes out. He found the tub while his brother was taking a bath, and he decided, why not dive in? I mean, that's what I should do, right? Boom! Head first. And we were away from him for like five seconds. This kid just goes out of his way. And here's the thing. When you try to help him, oh my goodness. You would think I didn't take the knife from him, but I'd stabbed him with it. I mean, that's the screaming that he does. And it keeps going. Like, what's going on? And you cannot explain it to him. Baby, we love you. We don't want you to fall on this knife. So I'm taking it away from you. <laughs> he cannot see the plan we have for his life. And no matter how much we explain it, he does not get it. But we love that child with everything we have, and we will go out of our way, even if it ticks him off, to save his life. That is how God's plan works. Sometimes he doesn't explain. Sometimes my ways are higher than your ways. In fact, they are as high as the heavens are above the earth. And even if I could explain it to you, it'd be like trying to explain it to an infant. You still wouldn't get it. But I'm a father to that child, and I love him in that way. He's a father to you. And he loves you in that way. He has a plan. It doesn't depend on your goodness. He has a plan. And that plan is rarely revealed to God's people. And 
that plan, it is never too difficult for God. Ever. I mean, here's Zechariah, verse 18. Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. This can't actually happen. You're too late. Like, you should have done this 10, 20 years ago. At this point, like, you can't do this. She can't do this. Do you ever believe that something is too hard for God? Be honest about your life. Again, it is easier to believe for others. It is easier to believe that God's going to do something to fix a circumstance. I have a really good friend going through something really hard. And he and I have kind of commiserated back and forth at different points in our lives. And it is amazing how much we can believe for each other. That God is going to work that out. And he's going, I don't know how. Like, there's no way. It's, it's like it's too late. It is never too late. And the angel in this case is offended. <laughs> Listen to this. And the angel answered him. And, and this is what I picture. I picture the angel showing up and going, don't be afraid. It's okay. I have this awesome news for you. And then he says, but that can't happen. And the angel goes, he stands up. He goes, I am Gabriel. Seriously, you think this can't happen? He spun the universe into existence. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent by God to speak to you and to bring you this good news. When is it that we cannot believe God so that we cannot even see that it would be good? I mean, this is everything he wanted. But it seems so outlandish. It seems so ridiculous, so far-fetched. He cannot, in his own head, figure out how this is going to work. That he can't even see it as good. God's plan is never too difficult for God. Even when we feel like it is. And behold, you'll be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which, you, which will be fulfilled in their time. He says, I want you to learn from this. Can I tell you that God is always working in your life, not just with a plan for your life, but he's always working in your life with opportunities to make you holy. This is less of a punishment and more of a learning opportunity. I'm going to start using that with my own kids. These are learning opportunities. I want you, Zachariah, to know that God hears you. I want you to know that God works in your life. I want you to know that God has been doing something and preparing something. I want you to know that nothing is too difficult for him. And so you're going to be silent. So you have an opportunity to remember what it is that God is and can do. Nothing, there is no difficulty level too much. I read this story this week about a woman named Annette. Annette decided one day after running a marathon, and please, Andy, 
McFarlane's, anybody else who likes to run, please don't get any ideas from this. She decided after running a marathon that she, she's talking to her husband and she said, I think I want to run a marathon every day for a year straight. Her husband said to her, if anybody can do it, you can. And she did. In fact, she ran 366 marathons in a year because on the last day, she ran two to celebrate. She went through 20 pairs of tennis shoes to do it and three years prior to that, she was diagnosed with MS. That is one of the reasons she wanted to do it. She started by saying, well, I've got this diagnosis, I gotta figure out what my life's gonna be like. And then she went, no, I'm taking my life into my own hands. And she began running and then running further and then doing more and then eventually getting to that moment, sitting in a car with her husband and saying, I think I want to run a marathon a day for a year. And she did. And today, this was 2012 to 2013, today she is still running marathons. As incredible as that is, we see these things all the time. We see a, a human being that did a long jump of 29 feet. A human being that leapt out of a device 24 miles above the surface of the earth. We see all the time people doing the impossible and redefining. I mean, think about the first guy that broke the four minute mile. That was like, you can't do that. And then less than two months later, his record was broken. And it just keeps going. We keep redefining what is possible. And every time we go, no, there's no way. I mean, think about automobiles, think about airplanes, think about the internet. Over and over again, we keep seeing it redefined. If human beings can accomplish all of that, what is it that God can't accomplish? That is the God that we serve. He can do anything, and he has a plan for your life. And this is how I've started to envision it. Right now, some trees, they look at other trees, and they go, you suck. You're still green. And I'm just these barren sticks and the grass. Like Aaron and I are taking a walk, and, and we walked through this park area, and one morning I said to her, what happened? It's all dead. Like, I don't even remember, just it's all dead. What is gonna happen this spring? It's all gonna get beautiful, right? Like, it's all gonna blossom and bloom, and there's gonna be all this beauty, and yet we're not there yet. But do you all believe that it's going to happen? And you all look forward to, well, maybe, I shouldn't say that. Many of us look forward to it. 
We look forward to when the flowers come out again and the green comes out and the, the coolness starts getting a little warmer. And those, you know, those spring evenings, like sitting on the patio, the weather is perfect. Look forward to those, even though they're not here yet. That is the kind of confidence you can have in the plan of God, that he will take the ugly and in his way, he will make it beautiful. In your individual life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you number our days. Thank you that you knew us in the womb. Thank you that throughout our lives, you are working all things for good. Thank you that your plans are not dependent on us. That you have things you are ready to do in our lives as long as we just keep turning to you. Just keep saying, Lord, we're here. Through the good, through the bad, through the things we don't understand. Father, let us know peace in knowing that you have plans for our lives and holding on to those, that you can take the disappointments, the ugliness, the confusion, and you can turn it into something beautiful, as only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen.